The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. In terms of our daily life practice, this recognition of how thoughts affect us is probably one of the more important um, aspects to begin to notice. It's really helpful to begin to notice this because I'd say often when thoughts arise, we not only get lost in the thoughts, but we also get pulled to the effect that that thought has on us. And that those, those effects are often emotional. They're, they're related to beliefs sometimes. And if we're not aware of them, they will tend to uh, shape <laughs> our experience. It's even possible sometimes a thought will arise and an emotion or a feeling will arise with that thought. And then because of other uh, conditioning we have around those feelings, it can bring in a whole different set of things if we're not aware. And so this is part of, of recognizing how our, um, our bodies and minds condition each other. And so if we can be aware of our thoughts and how these thoughts affect us, then again, there's, there's this opportunity. There's not much to do other than recognize, oh, this is what it's like right now. Can I know that? Can I be with that? If it's strong or overwhelming, we can bring in some of our tools in our sitting practice in particular. In our daily life, we kind of just have to do the best we can when we're in the midst of a conversation or whatever's happening recognize what's happening. And perhaps that recognition, if it's a charge of some kind, recognizing that we're in a state of charge, will give us the opportunity to uh, have a little pause on how we respond so that we're not automatically responding out of some habitual reaction, but rather from a little more considered response. I mentioned, I think, yesterday this um, teaching that Saida offered a 50-50 mindfulness. 50% of the attention connected with the content of what's happening and 50% of the attention on how it's affecting you. And this, uh, this process in our daily lives, initially it might feel a little bit like a back and forth, like we're attending to the content and then you know, noticing, oh yeah, that, that content is affecting me this way. You know, a good place I, I mentioned is in um, reading and writing to begin to practice with this 50-50 mindfulness because we can slow it down a little bit. Well, listening to the radio is another good place to play with this. You hear something and then, how is it? How are you, how are you affected by this? In that situation, you may, you may just notice a kind of a, a, a flow of things going on as you're listening to something. So this gift can give you some practice in being aware of how content affects you. 
in real time, in conversations, in what you're doing, and it may be a little more challenging, but with practice, with curiosity about can I be aware of how I am with this content? So this is the integration of the content of our lives, what we're doing in our lives with how we are, with being aware of it simultaneously. And so this, um, uh, this, this practice with this makes it much easier over time for it to be, feel at least very simultaneous that we are uh, aware of what's happening and how we are with it. That's a sense of a kind of... Uh, Inside us, fifty-fifty mindfulness, and and, and uh, as he said, it doesn't have to be exactly fifty-fifty. <laughs> Somebody said, "How do I know if it's fifty-fifty?" He said, "Just some attention on content, some attention inside." Thank you. And um, when and if you share, um, I'd also appreciate hearing your names again, just to help help us all remember them. Um, so a good part of what we do in this form of retreat, um, this what this has come to, this is the third time I'm doing this particular form of retreat, is to um, share our experience. Um, some of this may include questions, if you have a question, but I also, it's also really helpful, it's actually a practice, and it's supportive of your practice, to describe what you are experiencing in your daily lives, in your meditation, whatever feels most relevant for you to share in this form, a, a little bit of a description of what happens for you as you're practicing, um, this is, you know, essentially what happens in, the, in, in a retreat. We have meetings, and often in, in this form of retreat, I do group meetings. And so it's, this is a bit larger of a group meeting than <laughs> we usually do on retreat. But, but still, the, the form of that is, is people share what they're noticing, what they're experiencing. And then um, there's an opportunity then to have a conversation, a little bit of a dialogue about that. And sometimes what seems to happen there is that there's something that is, it happens in that exchange that, um, you know, basically in my hearing about it, it's like I pull out some piece that is more generally relevant. And sometimes I'll offer a little Dharma talk (laughs) in the process of a share. Um, And so uh, my plan for this portion of the morning is that I'm recording right now uh, to describe a little bit about this form and a little bit about what I mean by reporting your experience, basically describing, reporting maybe sounds formal, but just basically describing your experience. But then um, I will only be recording my responses, so there's some um, um, privacy for you. Uh, I like for these... um, there's there's a, a several people I know who aren't able to be here, uh, and they appreciate hearing the at least the responses that I have. It, it, it loses some of the richness in not hearing your shares, but in general, it just seems easier not to uh, not to record your shares. Um, so, um, 
in the description, in the reporting, one piece that's really useful, and this is part of the practice, um, is very tempting. Um, and it's our habit, when we're talking about what happens for us, to go into the story, to describe, you know, who you were with and why you were doing this and, and what the conversation was or, you know, so do we get into some details because we think we need to do that in order for everybody to understand what's happening. And actually we don't, in terms of the practice, we don't need that much content. And so this is a little bit of a practice of letting go of content. So it's, it, it, it's, a, it's actually a, uh, a practice in our speech of recognizing what's, what's important to describe that is, is maybe not quite so connected to the content. And so maybe it, you, you, we, knew, we do at sometimes need to give a little bit of a context for what was happening. So, you know, I was at work having a conversation with uh, a coworker and they said something that created a lot of charge. That's about all the content we need. And then, what did you notice? You know, the, the, the charge was a feeling of frustration and not being seen. Here's how I worked with it. Um, here's what I noticed uh, happened. Here's how I was able to be with it. Here, here's how I wasn't able to be with it. So we're, we're not, we're, we're at the level of experience rather than um, more the conventional things that go on in our lives. So this supports us in, um, uh, first of all, it supports us in, in the sharing, in maintaining our privacy. You know, we don't have to reveal a lot of details about what's happening for us. It's a little bit, it, takes some, it can take some learning to learn how to report in this way, to learn how to describe experience. Um, but it also supports us in terms of recognizing what is actually, you know, happening in our experience. You know, we're, we're aiming to describe what's going on for us internally, what we're, you know, what our experience is. You know, if, if there is something about the, the um, you know, the, the external that is affecting you, you can describe that. Like, for instance, you might say, you know, I noticed that that person, you know, uh, that, that that person who I was having the conversation with had a cadence in their voice that reminded me of somebody. And I couldn't stop, you know, bringing that person into my mind. So, so you know, there, there may be things about what is happening that is relevant to describe. But the, the, the basic um, exploration is what's your actual experience, not the story around it. Um, this also supports us in terms of, um, you know, if we, get, if we get familiar with describing our experience in this way, uh, what I've seen in my own experience is as I describe my experience to my teachers and then... Um, uh, hearing their responses, you know, uh, a lot of the times it's like, well, did you notice that part? <laughs> you know, that's, a, that's a question I of, often will say. Well, you know, so you were noticed that, you know, you, you described that you were experiencing this, this um, painful experience and that there was a lot of anxiety. Did you clearly recognize the anxiety? 
Did you notice the attitude about the anxiety? So there's, there will be some kind of common things that, that I end up saying. And uh, I noticed this as I was describing my experience uh, to my teachers. And, well, did you, did you notice that? It's like, oh, gee, no, actually, I didn't notice that. And then as I um, uh, began uh, incorporating this kind of form of reflecting on my practice to myself, it was like I began to understand or know what my teacher was going to say. And it's like I didn't, need to, I, I didn't need to go to my teacher to get that feedback. It was there. And so it's, it's like a way of beginning to be our own teacher, to learn how to describe and report in this way, to have this kind of exchange. We, we can learn how to be our own teacher. So there's enough of you that certainly it's not going to be possible for you each to share every day. I would like to encourage you to share, and my guess is probably about twice in the week it will be possible, maybe a little bit more. (laughs) Um, Although given sometimes, especially early in the week, I tend to have a little bit more uh, like darmets that end up coming out. So that takes a little more time for a particular share. Um, um, and I'll, I'll actu- I'm actually going to keep track of, of the shares so that I can know uh, who has shared and who hasn't. Sharing is not mandatory. If you do not wish to share, you do not have to. Um, but I would like to encourage you to, partly because it supports your own practice, but also because, as you will see in this exploration, um, our minds are not that different you know, what goes on in my mind, the processes at work in our minds are so similar that uh, it's, it's like an offering to the group to share something. Somebody, uh, what I often he- see happening in these group exchanges is somebody will say something and there'll be an exchange and somebody else has, comes up to me later and says, I'm so glad that that came up because um, I never would have thought of asking that question. But that was relevant for me. And so you can think of your shares as an offering. And then I would like to say that um, uh, to please keep this um, confidential. You know, to not... Um, I mean, you, you, can, you can share with people some of the... You know, oh, this came up in our class. You know, a, a, a conversation around working with frustration or, or whatever. Kind of the more general information. What I end up recording, basically. But, oh, so-and-so was talking about such-and-such. Please keep the, the confidentiality there. And another piece that I'd like to say is, is really helpful. You know, people will often share in this form... Uh, things that they wouldn't want brought to them socially. And so afterwards, you know, when you're putting on your shoes or if you see somebody in this group outside of this context, um, to not bring it up to them what they shared. They may not wish to have that brought to them in, in that way. So... That's another form of the of the kind of confidentiality. Does that does everybody feel comfortable with this? Does this seem good? Okay. And then also, if there are questions, you know, at, at, you're welcome to ask a question. But if you would like to ask a question, I guess what I'd say is, please do a little report first. 
a little description of your experience because actually sometimes the description of experience helps me to understand something about the question. So. So in terms of, you know, this this 50-50 mindfulness or even, you know, 20% inside, 80% outside, it's it takes time. I mean, basically in that in that description of being just like almost intertwined or inlocked with the other person uh, and not able to be aware um, and, and just nod on this one. Were you able to be aware at all during that time? Did it come back at all? Just, just nod or shake your head? Definitely not. No, okay. So, um, in this kind of thing, it mostly is just you know, where there's a kind of a, an intertwining where it's really hard to be mindful. So this is one more general um, a kind of practice support is um, becoming aware of where it's really hard to be mindful. So please don't use the mic for just a second <laughs> so I don't have to turn the recording off. Um, so, you, you know, you notice in this situation um, that it's very difficult to be mindful in this kind of family dynamic. Um, and, and what we can do when we notice, and this happens to all of us, there are places like pockets of our, of our interactions with people that are um, like mindfulness sinks. They're just like, you know, the rabbit hole of, of losing mindfulness. So, you know, we go into the it's quicksand, you know, we just lose mindfulness in certain situations. And becoming aware of what those situations are is really helpful. Because then as we know, so we know we're moving into those situations, we can remember, yeah, I tend to lose mindfulness here. And um, kind of set an intention. And I know you did that, you know, before you left. You, you set that intention. Set that intention for being present, staying connected. And then, you know, just be curious. Rather than trying to hold yourself into mindfulness there, it can be helpful to just be curious about okay, what are the situations here where, it, or how does it happen? You know, I'm, I'm walking into this situation and right now I'm aware and then I'm gone. You know, so, so we begin to get a sense of what the actual, like, triggers are that catch us and lock us. And this takes time. So it's, uh, you know, something that you just pr- keep practicing with. So, you know, the... the um, Stepping into those situations when you visit that family, your family again, you know, that commitment again. So some of it is about intention when you're stepping into those situations. Intention to commit to, to not maybe holding yourself mindful, but commit to recognizing what happens. Where does the mind get hooked? What is it hooked to? In this case, you described the wanting for wellness, and so my guess is that there's a kind of a connection to that where the hook is. You know, so there's this wish for wellness and probably there's a, a fear of non-wellness, a, a concern around the, 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 that not being the case. And that may be where the hook is. So, yeah, hang on. 
too. So my guess is that this will happen to you at times when you're not with your family. That you'll think about them. them. It'll, your, the memory will come up. And, and you'll, you'll have a sense of, oh, really want them to be well in the way I want them to be well. And there you may have a little more space to practice with that content. So that's where you can begin to explore the 50-50, the 80-20 around that content. And it might be in meditation even, the, the thought comes up and then, oh, well, there's that, I want it to be my way. I want them to be well in my way. So that whatever that contraction is, you can begin to explore being with that when you're not right in the situation. And because these these patterns, so when we have familiar habits and patterns, when we, you know, get lost in particular situations, if you can kind of see what the hook is, then you might also be able to notice that that hook will happen in many situations in in, th- as th- in thoughts as they come up because these habits and patterns we have you know they're shot through our lives we tend to have some part- in particular that, that really uh, inform us and so probably it may even come up in other contexts this kind of, this kind of flavor of, of wanting uh, somebody to do something that I want them to do not what they want to do and so you know you can begin to get familiar with the pattern in general and a lot of times we can begin to notice this uh, when we're not in, right in the situation. And that gives us a little bit of practice with meeting those things outside of the dynamic or the charge of the situation. And then potentially stepping back in, uh, there may be a little more capacity, maybe for 15% presence. This does take time, you know. It's 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 a slow process. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I notice about three sentences in that that's something I want to <laughs> have on the recording. Um, so sometimes when the mindfulness gets lost in thought, it is creating some kind of you know story or something. But sometimes when um, uh, when the mind the mind wanders, it's more that there's just been a little bit of a of a of a loss of um, intentionality to stay connected, um, and and sometimes that intentionality to stay connected, this is something I've noticed at least. Uh, so one flavor of this, um, sometimes that intentionality to stay connected is a little bit more mm, tight. And the, uh, the wandering there, when the mind loses that intentionality, actually kind of is a, it's a releasing. And sometimes there's a, oh, you know, so it's, it's kind of a, of a letting go of like holding the mind somewhere. And in that, sometimes the mind will just kind of, at first it might just be a release. And if you can catch that moment, it's really lovely. <laughs> just like, oh. And, and it almost feels like the mind's going to wander, but you're right with it, and it's like, it just settles. Um, but sometimes what can happen is we don't catch that moment, and then the mind just kind of drifts. It drifts a little bit, it's kind of drifty, and then it maybe drifts into, oh, that thing I need to do, and oh, that, and that, and that. And then we start planning. And so it's not very charged. Um, but... Uh, 
there may be a very a subtle kind of uh, settling that happens too in that. So you can check if it's, a, if it's a subtle kind of settling, when it doesn't feel like there's much that has happened, you might just say, well, okay, you know, is the mind calm? You, know, you could just check that out. Because sometimes the, the level of calmness is, is, is not so obvious that it's like glaring at us and it's like, oh yeah, wow, this is a lot more settled than I was before. But it may be just a subtle like, a little shift, and, and sometimes you, you, can, you can connect to that. And sometimes it, it doesn't feel like there's much of a difference. And so if that's the case, just continue. You know, just continue. Okay, well, I'm aware. And what am I aware of? If it, does, if it doesn't feel like there's much of a pull back to the thinking, often there's not much, you know, that we need to do there. If it does feel like there's a pull back to the thinking, then that's also useful to notice. You know, what's that about? You know, it's like there's, there's, there can be some kind of a, a, a congealing of an energy that's like, better think about that. And, and what's the belief there? You know, wh- that's, that's a, great, a great exploration is, what, you know, what's being believed that, that the mind has to go think about that? You know, it's, it'll be a disaster if I don't think about it or whatever. Maybe I'll record this part too. There are times when we are mindful of something, and you, you mentioned, you know, sometimes I'm mindful of something else. I'm aware, but I'm not mindful that I'm putting something down, you know, so that, that kind of, int- you know, so there's certain parts of experience that you're not mindful of, even as you're mindful. This is not um, non-mindfulness. It is, it is more that the mindfulness is focused. It's that, you know... Um, it's a, it's a selective attention kind of mindfulness. And this is, this is a natural part of how our minds work, that it can focus on things and not see other things. Um, and that might happen with, um, you know, activities that we're doing, or it might happen with, with, you know, looking out at the world. We see certain things and not other things. This is a really useful thing to recognize and be aware of and know that, when we are aware and mindful, it doesn't mean that we know everything. You know, it, it, that, that this is a piece of, of the way our minds work, that it, it screens down, they pick, it picks out of in, the environment what it thinks is most important at this time, and it may ignore a whole bunch of other things. And that's not necessarily a problem. I mean, I don't think we can always be fully mindful of all going on all at once. Um, but that we need to recognize that we are not getting all the information. You know, this is a piece essentially of, you know, if we believe um, that I would have noticed everything if I was, you know, if I was mindful and I was mindful, so I would have noticed everything. That's delusion. You know, that belief is delusion um, because the the mind can really focus down on something and just not see a whole bunch of other stuff, and so that's an important recognition. You know, just I just wanted to highlight that piece um, since you mentioned that. So thank you. Over here. Um, so you know, if we do something where we feel like, oh, that wasn't such a good idea, you know, often we do we do end up having a sense of guilt that comes up around that. It's like, I should have known better, or whatever. Our mind tells us that story. 
And, you know, so those conditions happened. And here we are now. And uh, I've seen in my, own, in my own experience that with that, that guilt or that self-judgment, it's, it can be interesting to explore that quality itself a little bit. It's like, oh, well, there's guilt. And like, what is the belief here? And one of the beliefs I discovered under guilt was not only, yeah, you, you shouldn't have done that, that was a stupid thing to do, but was a little bit of, I need this guilt in order not to do that again in the future. It's like, I need to beat myself up now so that I don't do that, self, that again. So there was a kind of a belief in self-punishment will help me to change my behavior. That was kind of surprising. And um, I could see that that was not a very helpful way <laughs> to be modifying behavior. <laughs> so it can be really interesting to look at that, you know, that, that kind of, what is, it, what is it? You know, why do we have that guilt? It's like, that's over. You know, it's done. And here we are living with the consequences. That's useful to know. It's useful to recognize the consequences. That wasn't skillful. Here's the consequences. There's a difference between the, just the kind of discerning, here's wisdom again, the recognition of, yeah, this is the consequences of having done something that wasn't helpful. And I would say this, this is, you know, it's, it's a gray area. It's not, it's not, I wouldn't really call it uh, breaking the precept. I would say it was, um, you know, following through on greed a little bit, maybe. Um, um, so, so, you know, the, that, that activity of following through on greed, here are the consequences. There's unpleasant experience. And so we, we recognize that with just a simple, we can recognize that with just a simple understanding. It's like, this is the consequences. This is what happens with that. And now, now that, that, in certain situations, that feeling of, oh, these are the consequences of having done something that wasn't so helpful. You know, in this particular situation, this is a really mild kind of thing. Um, um, and my guess is there was probably, you know, the, the guilt was, was, if you were discerning in this way, you know, of, oh, that, this is a consequence. It's kind of like, well, yeah, you know, full stomach, pressure, yep, that's going to be the consequences of having eaten too much. Um, and it's not, it's not like there's, there's um, you know, a lot of, uh, when, when there's discerning, it can, that can be just pretty much pretty kind of uh, clear. You know. um, there are times if we do something that creates harm, you know, so in that situation, you know, the harm really was to yourself and it wasn't even a very big harm. Uh, it was a little bit of discomfort. Um, um, if we do something that actually creates harm, then in the noticing of, wow, that wasn't a good thing to do, it created harm. Maybe it harmed myself, maybe it harmed somebody else. There's a feeling that comes with that, um, that, that the Buddha calls um, hiri, in the Pali, hiri. It translates, um, uh, Tanisaro Bhikkhu translates it as conscience. And so it's a kind of a recognition. This is what it feels like to have created suffering, to have caused harm. This is what it feels like. It's so similar to what we call shame and guilt. 
that kind of quality in there. It's, it's, it's a very similar experience. So it's, it's, uh, it's easy in, in for that feeling, that just simple recognition of, yeah, that, this was not a skillful thing to do. This, this is the consequence. This is how it feels. That conscience has been kind of tickled. And it's not a pleasant experience to have that happening. But it's, this is what I would call a wholesome, unpleasant experience. There aren't a lot of those. There's a few. There's, you know, this, this, this experience of that conscience being tickled that that was not a wholesome thing to do. That is helpful for us to have that clarity. But the extra we add to it, I'm such a bad person, I'm, you know, the, the, the guilt and the shame that we add to that is extra. And it's not, it's not necessary it doesn't, that's not discernment. That part is not discernment. That's a tangle. That's a confusion. Um, but the feeling of, oh yeah, it's like this to have done something. That's a, that's a feeling that when we can learn with some clarity of that, that helps us. Uh, that's what helps us not do something in the future. You know, that feeling. And so in my confusion around this judgment, this self-flagellation is what helps me to not do something in the future. It was a little confused with that quality of, of that wholesome recognition. This is what it feels like to have done something that created suffering. So there's that, that piece that can sometimes happen when we actually have done something stronger. My guess is that that, that, that flavor of here was, was probably so mild there that you might not have really seen it and and that effectively you know more of your feeling there of of you know self-recrimination was probably more about well I'm not going to be able to you know sleep very well and all of that it's it's more it's more a, 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 um, a build-up in your mind rather than actual harm that's been created I mean you had a little more food than your stomach was comfortable holding you know that's not a big a big thing, but, but the, you know, so to look at the guilt and, and, but, but what you described was really the recognition of that helped you to let it go. And that's a really important recognition, you know, that, that as it, 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 you know, it's like when we are not so aware, those habits just keep churning. But as soon as we become aware of them, often just the simple awareness is so powerful. You know, it's, this is one of the things that I think this particular practice is so uh, helpful in helping us see how p- the power of simple awareness. Often what we, we do, uh, you know, when we become aware of something, it's like, oh, that's unwholesome. Better bring in mindfulness, better bring in love, better bring in compassion, better, better pay attention to something else, better change the mind state in some way. Uh, instead of seeing, well, what happens as the mind becomes aware of this? Because there's, there is a power to the simple awareness of something. And so I often will suggest when we become aware of something to just give yourself an opportunity to let that kind of settle for a while. It's like, yeah, let's see what happens just being aware of this before bringing in all the tools. Um, to think that we have to be in charge of releasing that in our minds. You know, I have to be in charge of, of letting go of guilt. It's like wisdom will help us. 
release that. And there was that opportunity for wisdom to be at play there. And, and it, it, felt, it sounded like a very gentle kind of thing. It wasn't like a, you know, a big blinding wisdom, but it's just like, oh yeah, maybe I can just like let that go. 